thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The European Le Mans series on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. It's the first of it's the first of two very special weekends here at Spa Francorchamps with the European Le Mans series and the Michelin Le Mans Cup in town this weekend, followed by the World Endurance Championship. Their trucks roll into town, well, probably from Monday or Tuesday of this forthcoming week. But we are delighted that we can at least hold the second round of the European Le Mans series here at Spa Francorchamps. Sadly, the grandstands are very quiet. The gates are locked to you guys, the fans. And it means that we have to just witness this race on the television screens because of COVID-19, of course. And it is a delicate situation. Only this weekend have the UK government said that anybody here in Belgium uh, may have to quarantine for 14 days. Although some great work going on at the moment uh, in the UK to at least uh, make sure that everyone involved in this weekend can get back home and then potentially come out again for the World Endurance Championship in less than seven days time. Circuit to Spa Francorchamps, what more can we say? It is uh, an epic venue, seven kilometres long, near enough, and brilliant that we can be here this weekend in such glorious weather conditions. Often Spa is very unpredictable as to when the rain might arrive. Well, there's, a, I suppose, a slim chance of a passing thunderstorm which will lash down, but nothing on the radar at all. It's wall-to-wall sunshine for the rest of today and promise, promises to be even hotter for Sunday, which is race day for these cars. Thank you for joining me, Johnny Palmer and John Hindhoff, standing over to my right. We've already witnessed qualifying for the Michelin Le Mans Cup, two 15-minute sessions for those cars. We now have three 12-minute sessions for the ELMS. And Rookie, with the breadbasket there in hand and the picnic uh, spot as well, is picking the area to spectate from. We might not have regular fans, but Rookie, hopefully, is your representative this weekend, finding a perfect spot on the grass bank to witness qualifying for GTE, LMP3 and LMP2 cars. Well, you said it about uh, pretty much everything when you talked about the circuit. I'll echo your comments about Motorsport UK, David Richards uh, and Kyle working uh, with, uh, among others, Dave Scott and one or two other people back at Colnbrook doing a great job. Actually, they've just moved, haven't they, uh, up to uh, Bista, but uh, doing a great job down there as a, a license holder from Motorsport UK. I'm always tremendously impressed with the way they turn things around and they have done a sparkling job uh, in getting across the situation that has developed very, very quickly here 
And as far as this weekend's concerned for us, the fans, and we lump ourselves in with that as well, of course, ELMS and uh, the Le Mans Cup. Live, free, no blocks, no breaks, with qualifying and the race later on today for Michelin Le Mans Cup and the European <laughs> Series tomorrow. Uh, all available to you, if you're watching or listening now. The race will be with you later today in the case of Michelin Le Mans Cup and, of course, tomorrow for the European Le Mans series. A balmy hmm. 37 degrees right on the forecast yeah. uh, for today. Uh, local time just coming up to 2.30, half two in the afternoon with another couple of degrees potentially added on to that tomorrow uh, for the race. Uh, and uh, track temperature getting up there as well, 32 degrees uh, on track at the moment. Expect that to rise as well. So particularly when we see the LMP2 cars, GP, this is the part of the weekend where the tyre restrictions come into effect. That's right, yeah. Yeah, not the case for GTE because uh, Goodyear, by the way, now is the sole supplier in the GTE category and you can throw as many Goodyear tyres at these cars as you want Three, to. Two, one. Qualifying has started. Any lap done beyond track limits, if noted or reported by the judges of fact, will be immediately deleted. And that was a message stamped heavily home during the Michelin Le Mans Cup uh, qualifying as well, because a number of times were deleted, particularly in the GT3 part of their qualifying. So GT's first. Now, normally this would be a 10-minute session on any other track, but because it is seven kilometres in length, the longest circuit we visit all year, they get an extra two minutes, which is basically an outlap. And then, what are we thinking? Maybe five laps at most to post a good time. I'd be very surprised to see cars stopping to take on more tyres, because as John Heinoff makes the point, this is now where tyres are uh, strictly regulated. Not in the GT category, as I say, but in LMP3 and LMP2, most definitely. And you're trying to use as few tyres as possible. So the LMP2s might go for a quick run of three laps and then park it to ensure that they've still got the bulk of their three sets available for the race. At RSL underscore studio, if you want to get in touch, we've got that on the screens in front of us. Many of you, I know, can't be here, would love to be here. Great weather in the UK and across Europe. Further afield as well, people tuning in. Uh, perfect time, European time in the afternoon for a little Belgian beverage, uh, perhaps some frites, a bit of mayonnaise, maybe a, a cheese and uh, ham baguette or something like that. Ooh, Get yeah. yourself in the mood out there. Joe Bradley, one of our colleagues, I know is in the back garden up in the northeast of Sunderland tuned in. We've had people all across the world telling us how much they are looking forward to seeing these cars once again on the torturous rise, fall and curves of the just over four miles, 4.352 miles, or 7.004 kilometres of this circuit. Have it which way you want, but it's always a challenge. And I just wonder as well, how much these rising temperatures are going to make a difference to how the teams bring these Goodyear tyres in and how much grip they have. It'll feel greasy to start with. Augusto Farfus in the number 98 Aston Martin. This effectively his debut uh, for that team. Yes. This car. 
Yes, and been given uh, qualifying duties. Raced previously in GTE, hasn't he? But uh, never with Aston Martin from memory, and therefore welcoming in the Brazilian. Paul Dallalana, Matthias Lauda had been there already with the team, very much well established. Paul Dallalana's team effectively run by Aston Martin Racing, and he moved to a new Vantage AMR with the 4-litre twin-turbocharged V8 these days, car number 98. Not eligible for ELMS points, but their focus is very much doing this event in preparation for next weekend's event, the, the World Endurance Championship, and then onwards to Le Mans across the weekend of the 19th and 20th of September, which seems bizarre to talk about the 24 hours of Le Mans that late in the year. It's not the first time it's been held that late in the year, though. Was it 1968 the other time? Civil unrest. Yes. I think uh, is the best way to say it. Normally in June, but not always. It was in July... 1930 sometimes, I think. OK, you've got a very good memory there. Uh, 12 cars in GTE. Now, we've gained three because they are normally World Endurance Championship cars. I speak of the 54 AF Corsa car for Thomas Fleur and Francesco Castellacci. Not a regular ELMS entrant, but you do find those guys in the WEC, so they're taking the opportunity to do a, an extra four-hour race, as are the River, River, uh, Red River Sport outfit of Bonamy Grimes, Johnny Molan, and Charlie Hollings. And the third extra car in GTE is another AF Corsa offering, number 88. I am more used to that being a Proton Competition Porsche number, but AF Corsa have adopted it for this weekend. Number 88 is the Francois Perodo, Manu Collard and Harrison Newey Ferrari 488 GTE Evo. Now, because they didn't do the previous round of the ELMS, automatically they get 15 kilos of ballast bolted alongside their driver because GTE now has success ballast as part of their makeup for the championship, and any new cars that didn't do the previous round automatically get 15 kilos. If you lead the championship and if you won the previous race, that's 30 kilos for the 77 Proton competition car. The car second in the championship, Kessel Racing, number 74, gets 20 kilos, and the third of the regular championship runners that has weight is the 83 Iron Lynx Ferrari and they've got 10 kilos for company. Well, that will certainly have an impact on qualifying, particularly when you're going into slower speed corners at La Source and you're then pulling through the gears. Uh, extra 30 kilos of weight will certainly be felt on the run down to Eau Rouge. Nice to see that uh, Richard Leitz is so relaxed. He's managed to get the DVD player working in the car. No, of course it wasn't that. It was in lieu of a rearward facing mirror in the middle of the car because with the new version what was called the 19 version of the rs oh no actually it was a dvd it's just skip forward no uh, he's uh, he can't see if you have a rear view mirror because there's a firewall behind his head engine and gearbox remember changed around a few years ago now to allow the installation of an aerodynamic diffuser under the back of the car, which the previous configuration of engine and gearbox left Porsche at somewhat of a disadvantage. Uh, GTA regulations actually say that uh, you don't even have to, you don't have to have the engine in the same place as in the streetcar. So you could have a front engine Ferrari if you wanted, or you could have a rear end engine Aston Martin. Uh, it doesn't have to occupy the same space in the car. Why you would want to do that, I'm not entirely certain. But it gave Porsche the opportunity to gain back some aerodynamic downforce on which all of these cars 
rely so heavily now, although they are a GT car, they are almost a prototype. I mean, somebody off uh, down at the bottom of the hill there. Yeah, exit of Lafania, loads of gravel across the road, and although there is a racing line between the stones, you wouldn't fancy being offline into campus, so easy to pick up the early stages of puncture which may not manifest itself until later on in this session, or maybe if these are race tyres, which uh, not, not so much in GTs, but in, in the prototypes they could well be. And, uh, yeah, you'll be checking around for stones because these will be your race tyres, possibly come 2, 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. The gold and the black of 77, who are the championship leaders then, having taken victory last time out. Christian Reed, Michele uh, Barretta and Alessio Picariello, who proved to be a real star. Bruce Jones, who joined me at Paul Ricard, what, three weeks ago, knew all about Alessio Picariello because of his experience in the GT Challenge that uh, uh, tours Asia. And although he's from Belgium, so at a home race, uh, he's done an awful lot of his recent career uh, in the Far East. So they were scrubbing tyres there and then, what, swapping side to side with those tyres? I wouldn't have thought so. So that's a new set of tyres to go on. There's no tyre restrictions in, in qualifying here, unlike some other series. If you've been watching the American series, you're not allowed to touch the car at all. Have to ask for permission to open the door for the driver. Did think that Porsche that came in there, JP, if we get another chance to have a look at the, well, Kessel Racing, first of all. Uh, the Ferrari in the pit lane. This is the number 74 car we're talking about, which was brought in by David Perel. And they are going to work on the left rear of that car. Is that where the... Well, that was the rear wing. Yeah. That was the strut from the yes. rear wing, which had either become dislodged or they were, I don't know, trying to adjust it, but it was pretty forceful adjustment. So I think, um, that, yeah, there was concern maybe for the integrity of that rear wing as the green and white Ferrari of probably Matt Griffin. Uh, the 55, yes it is, the Irishman, put in for qualifying duties. So Augusto Farfus in the 98 Aston Martin is currently fastest, the 217.689, 89 thousandths of a second quicker than Austrian Ricard Leeds. Yeah, that rear wing's coming off yeah. and being thrown at the wall. It's being discarded, Somewhat. I think I would say. Yes. Very, very second-hand now. So has... Well, was that the car then... 74 that, car we're talking about, David Perel. Was that the car then that went off into the gravel at, uh, at Vainia on the way down the hill? Yeah. And maybe then there was contact that either precipitated that or as a result of that, or he's just rattled it loose when he went sideways. There was an awful lot of gravel there. GFW's Ferrari, back in what we've seen in the past... Uh, uh, a colour scheme, at least, using the yellow and blue shades that we've seen uh, Jim McWhorter's cars use in the past, but a brand-new livery, which looks absolutely belting, with the uh, stripes in a diagonal formation across the car. Yep. Like that a lot. Yeah, used to carry sponsorship of, the, of one of the previous tyre manufacturers, Correct. in fact, but looks very good with the Goodyear Eagles as well and the Goodyear branding on that rear bumper too. Well, uh, this is extraordinary because nobody's got a lap time in yet and there's two minutes to go. Now, the last time I looked, Augusto Farfus was fastest, but he's now had a lap time deleted. That was his best of the session. Lap three for the Brazilian taken away from him. So the Aston Martin tumbles to the bottom of the timing sheets again. The Ricard Leitz has done a 217.778. 
fastest, David Perel. Now with a new rear wing on that Kessel Racing Ferrari, 217.994. And Alessio Picariello for Proton Competition, another Porsche at 77, is third fastest. So Porsche first and third, and then it is Ferraris, as far as you can see, all the way down to this car, the Aston Martin, which is now 11th fastest. Very close to going off the track, uh, coming out of the bus stop, running wide for Augusto Farfus in that number 98 car that JP was just talking about the number five car. Uh, sorry, the 51 car has lost last ride. That's Christoph Ulrich in the AF Corsa. He's just lost a lap time. And these deletions, by the way, are coming at the point of the lap, pretty much where the transgression is happening. So we're seeing some of these happen before, on the timing screen at least, and on the uh, race control channel, before that lap is completed. But basically now, it's going to be two flying laps. They've done one, they've got the banker lap in, they're now out on the second. There's half a minute left to get across the line, JP. Yes, and uh, this wasn't part of the plan for many, I'm sure, but it just evolves into that sort of session, and you don't get a lot of time to adjust and recover. Fastest car is the green, the two-tone green, number 93 of Proton Competition. This car, this car carries no extra weight, so running at the same weight as, as it did at Ricard three weeks ago. Ricard Leitz is the platinum driver, Felipe Laza the silver, and Michael Fassbender, Hollywood film star, following in the footsteps of Patrick Dempsey, and he's with the same team, of course, Proton Competition. I'm sure Patrick had a, you know, one or two words with him, but I mean, this is a, a, a long-range effort at the ELMS because Michael Fassbender, I understand, was testing the very next day after the final round of ELMS last year. So got his eye in at Portimao, and uh, here he is now on the grid. Had done some Porsche club and cup racing before that. Alessandra, Alessio Piccariello, then in the 77 Proton Porsche, which looks like it's got hazard tape down of, on the side steps between the wheel arches, which is a very interesting... I suppose it, it could mean don't stand on this when you get out, lads, and get in. Uh, reasonably so. Currently sitting in fifth position. Checkered flag is out, so this is it. Anyone who's on a lap now will be allowed to keep it. And he's bailed out of that, so he'll be no better than fifth position. Yeah, and that car's carrying an extra 30 kilos, so it may well be that it's really starting to take its toll oh. now, whereas the base weight 93 Porsche comes out of the bus stop chicane, the final sequence of corners. Richard Leitz does improve to 17.399. He already had provisional pole, and that has confirmed it. And given that he clouted the middle curve for the left-hander so hard, it pitched the car up in the air and sideways, there was a quicker lap than that. He has done the fastest sector three of anybody. And still, there's time for improvement. 17.3. Pirellas finished. It's only Bond Grimes for the Red Rivers, but no, he's out, that's it. Nobody else is going to improve, so it will be then Paul position for Proton and Richard Leeds. Bonnaby Grimes not able to set a time, but I'm sure the decision was made down at Red River Sport to put Bon in the car for as long as possible, getting to experience a qualifying session. It didn't need to be him qualifying it, uh, but although one of his co-drivers is Johnny Molan, the point is that Johnny's coaching Bonnaby Grimes uh, the uh, the teammate that in that car, so the, they're very much customers 
of Johnny Mullins, Charlie Hollings, of course, and Hollings has been around the block for a long time. But Good it's lad, all Charlie. about Grimes and getting him quicker and quicker through a race weekend. And their focus is no doubt the World Endurance Championship, uh, of which the next round takes place in seven days' time. Yeah, absolutely. Most of the TV team staying on. A very early good morning to Carol Brink in Monterey Bay, California. Sarah Rigby, crew in the UK, home of Bentley, but supporting as ever Aston Martin, Aston Martin superfan. Happy to see Augusto Farfus on the outside of the second row. As the 51 AF Corsa car with, is it still bereft of rear, rear wing? No, it's got the rear wing on, the no, Carrera sponsored car. I think... Uh... Now, I'd clock that as a 74 car, which had the rear wing replaced. And then uh, for David Perrell to go out and set an even quicker time with a new wing was most impressive. Yes, you're right. Um, That's exactly what happened. Yeah, so 217.994 after Kessel worked incredibly hard and uh, took out a fair chunk of the pit garage wall as they hurled that uh, bit of carbon fibre. I don't think deliberately at one of their fellow mechanics, but into a safe area so that it was clear of the car and they could then vault on the new one. But it was rather troublesome to get it free. Yes, it was. And he was um, in third position when he came in uh, in qualifying with three minutes and six seconds left. So they must have been very tight to get him out and get him round yeah. to get that better lap on, unless one of the other teams ahead of him, and at the time, the teams ahead of him... Uh, well, the oh, 93 whether, yeah. was ahead. 98, I think Farfus had a lap thrown he out. He did. Lap of, uh, Augusta Farfus had a lap thrown out. So that may have been it, because there was only three minutes and ah, right. six seconds when the wing went to so look the, for, for Elizabeth Taylor, went for a Burton. So maybe the great time, 217.994, was done on the old wing then, which uh, even more credit to David Perel for managing that. Two-tenths of a second he was from plucking pole away from Porsche. As it is, we're going to have uh, two different manufacturers on the front row in GTE, Porsche from Ferrari, with the third manufacturer, Aston Martin, starting in fourth place. There's an Iron Lynx uh, number 60 car we didn't mention an awful lot about, but Andrea Pacini set the time there, 218.0. Proton Competition's sister Porsche, carrying a lot of weight this weekend, qualifies fifth ahead of Matt Griffin for Spirit of Race. They had a nightmare, Paul Ricard, after being involved in an accident with the Duquesne LMP2 car at the back, well, at the end of the um, the long straight down, the Mistral straight down the back at uh, Le Castellet and into Senior Corner. And I was really glad to see Duncan Cameron walk away from that incident. Yeah, uh, Perel did get back out again, but he didn't improve his time afterwards, is what I'm seeing from the Race Control Channel. Scrolling back through the information that we have. So uh, once again, Johnny, as usual, a very, very hard fought qualifying session with the top six down to Matt Griffin uh, within, what, six, seven tenths of a second. Uh, in fact, yes, yeah, seven tenths of a second. If you go down to a full second, you're going to add in Harrison Newey. So third position for Iron Links, Andrea Pacini in the Hublot watch-sponsored black and strikingly ripped yellow. Second for the red and white of Kessel Racing. It was David Perel uh, with the white wing <laughs> at that point, which I think was replaced with a fully black one. 
for at least a run out the pitch, but I'm not sure he got he was gonna get round to trip the line. And Richard Leeds, how many times have we said this in the past? Richard Leeds for Porsche, pull position. Yeah, they've got some work to do championship-wise after Michael Fassbender was involved in an incident totally not of his own fault. And that was heading into turn number one, you may remember, when he clashed with an LMP3 car that braked far, far earlier than uh, anybody was expecting. Let's get some reaction, though, from the session headed down to Hayley Edwards. So Richard, what a fantastic start to this ELMS. You've just obviously got pole here in the qualification. Yeah, it's true. I mean, uh, we really pushed hard for this pole. We put two, two new sets. Uh, I tried uh, everything and in the second lap uh, I got a track limit warning, which is quite easy to get on this track because you have uh, very fast corners, quite some runoff, and the more you push, the quicker you go. So sorry for this, but I got track limits. It was still enough for the po uh, pole position, so it's the perfect uh, starting position for tomorrow. And I'm sure uh, Michael will enjoy starting from pole tomorrow. Thank you very much. Thank you. So Hayley Edmonds looking after things in the, pit, in the pit lane this weekend and we'll hear from her a little bit later as well with the LMP3 Paul Sitter and of course LMP2 as well. So we got 12 more minutes of LMP3 action to come and the competition's already started as to who can be in pole position at the end of the pit lane just shows how important track position is here from the Grand Prix pit lane. Paul script to... Uh, the uh, GTE qualifying, Bond Grimes didn't go out, and I am hearing that they may have withdrawn from the meeting. Trying to get some news uh, from Jim or Johnny Morlam on that at the moment. Uh, let's leave that until I get something concrete, but Bond Grimes uh, appears didn't go out during that last session. So we'll try and uh, fix that up for you. Scrolling uh, through social media, etc. But definitely wasn't out in the last session. Just drop back a degree or so. Yes, but it'll be um, scant consolation for those working the track and uh, we must obviously heap a huge amount of praise on our track workers, our marshals who are here all weekend, again working at suitable social distance unless you're all on the same post and that may well be that you're classed to be within the same bubble and uh, therefore safe to have conversations over lunch and similar. It's always very, very tricky working in the new COVID-19 regulations to recover stray cars, bits of debris, things like that, and still stick by the regulations. Ah, but the mascots are also wearing masks this weekend as well. Tremendous to see. And don't forget our, our cameraman and rookie as well, who's found a prime spot. He's got the family with him. Indeed, he has. Most Is that allowed, bringing the kids along? I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm sure he checked uh, as he walked in and uh, passed uh, the uh, various staff members to check passes. Uh, they're not uh, partaking in a very busy weekend either, with sadly the gates locked to the fans. But Rookie uh, is our fan representative, if you like, like it. partaking in a picnic up on the grass bank. And we're thinking of you, anybody that had planned to be here at Spa-Francorchamps and was disappointed when it was announced as a behind-closed-doors event, I'm sure you can understand the decision why. The fact that we've got a race meeting on, we should be very, very grateful for. And, of course, that situation's being constantly looked at. If we can get one of the meetings before the end of the year so that spectators can access it, of course, that will be done. They, I, I have to say, I've been very 
impressed at the arrangements that have been made. We've got a green flag, by the way, for this 15-minute session, whilst we've got the cars on the warm-up lap. Uh, temperatures being monitored every time you come into the track by the Belgian Red Cross. Uh, One-way systems, even for pedestrians all over the place. Uh, everybody's pass is being checked to make sure you're only in the places that you need to be. Even for the eating arrangements, separate bubbles, and I use that word advisedly, booths, if you like, for separate teams, so that when the masks come off for you to eat, which is obvious, that you are in your own area. So integrity of different teams, different groups of people from organisation, broadcast, etc., all being respected here. Great work by the track, the organisers, and everybody, but everybody, respecting the regulations of obligatory masks, which is the same in the local towns as well. Signs up in the street that says, beyond this point, max masks are obligatory even outdoors, which it's all being very well adhered to. Lots of hand sanitizer stations everywhere as well. Difficult conditions, unusual conditions for everybody, but these are the situation. This is the situation on which we only can go racing. Now, do we have a problem here with the number 11 JP Euro oh, International Nico Kari? Almost certainly. Now, Nico Kari has been bumped up a grade after his fantastic performance at Le Castellet. Finds a first gear once again. He was obviously doing he was the dead old stick. reset, wasn't he? He was Top dead stick there. He was just rolling. Yes. And that's uphill at that part of the track, so he did well to stay off the racing line. But it looked like he bump-started it on the clutch, which I'm, you know, I'm surprised you can do with those things, to be honest. That's the Euro International entry, who are American-flagged, a lot of the personnel Italian, and Tommy Erdos and Nico Cari originally planned to be just a two-driver lineup, but because Cari's grade was moved from silver to gold post-recard, They've had to bring in Andreas Lascaratos to be an extra bronze, and therefore Kari will only be able to do a set amount of time. He'll, he, it'll be less drive time as a gold than he had at his disposal as a silver. And the guy to kind of take up the weight as a result of that is Andreas Lascaratos getting a pretty late call to join Euro International. So we've got all 12 LMP3 cars now circulating. United Autosports qualifying drivers are Wayne Boyd in the two, Duncan Tappy in the number three car for... DKR Engineering of Luxembourg, it's Laurence Hoare. Eric Truyer has been put in the number five Graf LMP3 car for Nielsen Racing, their two cars, number seven, Colin Noble, and number 10, Garrett Grist. Uh, in the real team racing car of Switzerland, David Drew. Uh, Vincent Capillaire in the other Graf car, number, uh, number nine. Nico Curry, I've mentioned. Nigel Moore, the Yorkshireman, will be driving the Inter-Europol competition, car number 13. Malta Jakobsen for RLR M Sport in number 15. And finally, Lorenzo Veglia, who was pretty late to join the session, only now on an outlap for BHK Motorsport. That's the 16 car. But of these 12, I reckon we might see six, seven, eight cars at one point on provisional pole because it chops and it changes an LMP3 session like this and within well we haven't got got any competitive times being posted yet but the next eight minutes will be frenetic I promise you can't afford uh, even the smallest of mistake here JP no uh, if you're out there you're gonna get a couple of laps and you've 
got to be inch perfect. Lose your first lap, lose all of the performance, the peak performance of the Michelin rubber on which all of these cars are running in LMP3. Cross the line then. To 15.093 for RLR. To 14.449 for Laurence Hur in the DKR engineering machine. So he at the moment with two fastest sectors out of the top three, being the first and the final, sectors one and three, he is the man to aim at at the moment. But another car of many to look at for will be the uh, the Wayne Boyd machine, number two, because they are the championship leaders. They took pole position last time out as well and lead by eight points over into Europol competition and RLRM Sport after one round. Uh, don't have to worry about success ballast in this. They're all still at the same base weight, and that makes it even more equal. If you like, the equalisation factor comes in during the race because ordinarily they'd have to take two long pit stops and one short pit stop. Now, we spoke a little bit about the new Orica designed, Orica tuned Nissan engine in the middle of these LMP3 cars. That is still very, very thirsty and they cannot, the officials cannot be sure that the, the car will do the distance on fuel on just three stops. So an extra short stop has been enforced. Again, it's a 40 seconds, but it doesn't quite have the restrictions as it does in Michelin Le Mans Cup. You can you weave that into strategy if you so wish, i.e. with a driver change. That was an, almost a massive lose coming out of Pouon, I think. Second part of Pouon, GFE yes. downhill. You carry a huge amount of speed there. And was that Lawrence Hall? behind the wheel of the car? No, that wasn't DKR. Was it not? That was possibly an RLR machine. It was, yes. United Autosports, by the way, have gone to the top with Wim Boyd. Um, yeah, what is, when Jakobsen comes through to complete the final sector, be able to confirm that, but it'll be a slower final sector for one of the cars. Certainly wasn't the right combination of orange and black. The DKR engineering carry, which is the orange nose and the orange side pods. So was a car just ahead, actually, on the road, which is about to pass our commentary position, and I'll be able to confirm that it was the 15 car that was particularly lurid coming out of and goes to third. corner. Goes to third position. Didn't cost him a great deal of time then. Malthy Jacobson. Yeah. Wayne Boyd second, Lawrence Hart into the lead. DKR, United, RLR, real-time Euro International into Europol, your top six. Separated at the moment by a second and a half and moving on to second flying laps with just under five to go. And the lion's share are Ligiers, although another Duquesne breaks into the top five now, courtesy of Canadian driver Garrett Grist. It is a Duquesne M30 at the top of the pile, though, in the form of Laurence Hoare, who has gravitated from the LMP3 category in the Michelin Le Mans Cup, now up to the big show. This is the highest you can get in LMP3 racing from an international perspective. Fully uh, continental championship, the ELMS. And also, if you do well in the LMP3 category, you can get on the bill at the 24 hours of Le Mans, courtesy of the Road to Le Mans event. And often a lot of these teams that take part in ELMS do utilize those two 55-minute races, which are still taking place this year, just in September rather than June. Four minutes to go. United Autosports about to cross the line with Wayne Boyd to pole position. Mm. Provisionally, at least, the Ulsterman 
managing to pull out a stonking time in the middle sector there, a 60.3. He was PBs in sectors one and three as well. String them all together, it's a one, it's a 213.555. So the two car breaking as late as Wayne could manage there into the bus stop chicane and bags himself a mid 213. He is two tenths of a second faster than Laurence Hoare. So a real fight between the two manufacturers. Brand new cars for 2020. The Ligier JS P320 and the Duquesne M30 D08 to give it its full nomenclature. So up to the braking area. This is where Wayne Boyd was so impressive. Lost a lap for the four car. Lawrence Hur, the lap that he's on, he's already lost. This is coming to the end of his fourth lap. He's lost that already, so he bailed out of it. And he's setting himself up for another run. Second position needs to find two-tenths of a second. And off he goes onto another flying lap. Nico Kari, impressive as well, after his car wouldn't even start. <laughs> but the Euro International car, after chugging its way down the Kessel... Uh, the, uh, yeah, the Camel Strait, rather. Kessel Strait, Ferrari fans will be pleased about that. Uh, in, up towards Le Combe. Finally, it fired into life. And Nico Kari up to fourth. Is he going to stop there? 214.6. Duncan Tappy now for United Autosports gets two of their cars in the top three positions because Duncan's just gone third fastest with a 214.5. So Wayne Boyd 213.5, Laurence Hur 213.7, David Drew now third fastest 214.2, and Tappy fourth with a 214.5. But there is a second separating the top four cars currently, with Wayne Boyd set to maybe extend the advantage to pole position yet further. He's gone personal best through the first sector, an absolute best through the middle sector. Surely it's going to be a very good one as well to complete the lap. It's oh. a 2.12. He's almost a second faster than he was last time around. Just hold my Belgian beverage for a moment, though. Lawrence Hur is on a quick one. He's just done the fastest first sector of anybody. He's in the almost minute-long sector two, the long central part of the track with the sinuous drop down the hill included in that. He's got a clear track ahead of him, uses all the road as he's coming down to the bottom of the hill now. Sonorous, the sonorous rumble of the V8 engine. The new, more powerful Nissan engine is the one that has the fuel economy. It's the older one, remember, that got the power increase and couldn't do the mileage, and that's why we've had the additional stops. Oh, big slide by Lawrence Hur. He was super late on the on the bricks. You're not at the at Bruno for Motor GP, Lawrence. You're driving a four-wheeled machine. He improves his time and comes back to eight tenths of a second. Two outright fastest sectors there. 38-3 in the first, 34-3, but it was in that middle sector, he lost a second. Lost a second in that middle sector, and he's having another go. And that is that, the better aerodynamics, perhaps, that the Ligier carries uh, versus the Duquesne, because that is the significant difference between the two cars that lock out the front row positions. Wayne Boyd in the new Ligier, Laurence Hoare in the new Duquesne car. Then it is four Ligiers occupying rows two and three, 
before it's an all Duquesne row four on the provisional grid, both of which, by the way, are the Nielsen Racing entered M30s. Colin Noble is already home and hosed. He has fallen, if you like, in slightly the wrong position to receive the chequered flag ahead of everybody else. Love to have got a, an extra lap out of it, but he's just going to lose out, as will David Drew. So no better for the Swiss team, real team racing, than third position on the grid. Euro International's Nico Kari has had an up-and-down session, started dreadfully with the car failing to fire into life, and now it works its way through Campus Corner on towards Kerf Paul Frere. He will have the rest of this lap to improve, and he's gone quicker than he's managed all session through the first sector. So the slight rise through Blanchemont, which sorts the men from the boys there. It is blind and also pretty much flat through there where you rely entirely on the he's downforce up. of these LMP3s. It wasn't his best first sector, but he's still up by just about a tenth of a second on Wayne Boyd, who's seen the chequered flag. Oh, he's lost two seconds in the middle sector. Two and a half, backed off, backed off. Yeah, it's all about what you potentially stand to gain and what you potentially stand to lose, I suppose, and you can weigh that up because we are looking at a four-hour race.